And what is up, guys? This is another Wild Wednesday, and we are back with Interesting Facts with Chase, so your bonus episode during the week. Uh, this week, of course, we are covering our interesting facts for chapters 9 through 12 uh, for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. A lot of you guys saw already or listened to our new episode that dropped on Sunday, uh, which really covered the introduction of Dolores Umbridge uh, into the chapter. So that was uh, pretty cool stuff there. Um, as far as you guys, it really means a lot. Always listening every week and how you followed us from the beginning. Really can't thank you enough. But with that, we'll go ahead and just kind of dive right into it today. Uh, you know, another Wild Wednesday. Hey, I heard you were a wild one. Oh, yeah, sleigh vest. Okay, it's game time, everybody. Uh, so, by the way, too, right? So I was uh, doing my research because uh, I always like to get ahead, like by like a week ahead or so, especially just doing like the show prep with the interesting facts and all the prep for uh, last week's episode. Like last week's episode, man, like, uh, well, when I say last week, I mean Sunday, right? Man, that research was taking me forever just because we covered so many chapters that had so much detail in it. Now that we're getting to the, the big grind here in the book. But as far as like even the interesting facts coming up for next week, right? But that might actually turn into like a full length episode because there's a lot of really cool stuff next week. Like um, there's a lot we'll even go into on the American Ministry of Magic uh, that kind of deals with certain things uh, and how that ties into play there. But for this week, uh, we're going to tackle, like I said, the interesting facts for chapters 9 through 12 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So I guess cool uh, cool topics kind of came up this week. I guess this is what's cool about this interesting facts is, you know, I can always kind of fly off the rocker if I feel like it right. Well, um, I saw like Taylor Swift is like remaking her music from the Fearless album that she came out with. So she came out with like Love Story, I think. Well, I'm making her own versions, but I thought that was pretty cool. So we'll just doing the old stuff because not as much of a fan of the new stuff, even though it's still good. She's still one of the goats, still one of the goats. No Arya Stark, but still one of the goats. So back to where we're at. So who gave you the order? <laughs> just kidding, no, that's, that's Game of Thrones. So you gotta go back to our Game of Thrones episode if you wanna see more of that one. But okay, so Diving right into it today. So, you know, like I was saying, the biggest thing we really talked about in these chapters was, you know, the introduction of Dolores Umbridge and how she isn't exactly uh, thought of too well with the students, right? So in her class, remember, we were talking about how you had uh, Hermione that was really sticking up for herself, just like she started to in Trelawney's class, uh, going back into Prisoner of Azkaban, and she was basically telling Dolores Umbridge, like, I'm not reading this stuff like this is useless this is a waste of my time I'm not gonna have it and you had Harry Potter Harry the chosen one over there always got to make a statement for himself right jumps in there he does stick up for Hermione so I was really happy for him on that but you know he definitely went back and forth with Dolores and um, wound up getting himself uh, detention which was um, you know you'll find out on the episode that drops next Sunday on that detention there how bad that detention is and that'll kind of go into a lot of our interesting facts next week um but so starting off there right so the book she has them read is defensive magical theory by wilbert Slinkhand. so of course the book was administered by dolores umbridge but the chapters that are known that she does cover with the class and that are in the book 
or uh, so the one she started off on that we talked about uh, last Sunday is basics for beginners. So that's chapter one, um, and you can actually turn to chapter five after the table of contents and all the introduction from the author and everything, and that's where that'll start there. Chapter two is uh, common defensive theories in their der- uh, der- derivation. Uh, so common defensive theories in the derivation. That starts on page 19. Uh, chapter 3 is the case for non-offensive responses to ma- magical attacks. So that was pretty cool. So the case for non-offensive responses uh, to magical attacks. That's in chapter 3. Uh, still no known page for that, I guess, because there wasn't just... is They still haven't found out as much information on the later chapters because they're not as discussed as much in the books and and jk rowling hasn't really expanded on that but uh the next known ones are chapter 15 so we're kind of taking a big jump here um but that's a chapter based on counter jinxes and actually this is a chapter that the author actually had something to say about it so what the author said about this chapter was uh slinkan goes on and on about his expressed opinions on counter jinxes and you can really tell how this book is just basically useless like i don't even know why it was even written because the whole idea with counter jinxes of course counter jinxes are supposed to be able to defend yourself and block against a jinx attack right well according to slink hand that he believes that counter jinxes are just a term to make jinxes more socially acceptable so there's really no such thing as a counter jinx it's just another alternate derivative for a jinx so the word jinx should be used which is absolutely ridiculous I'll <laughs> use our name here ridiculous because you know a counter jinx is actually supposed to be defending a jinx that's put on you uh, or shot at you right uh, chapter 34 so we're taking another huge step here so there's a lot of missing chapters that people don't know uh, what's really in this book but chapter 34 is on non-retaliation and negotiation so uh you're not supposed to negotiate with anybody you're not supposed to ever retaliate you're just supposed to sit there and basically take it and that's just the way the cookie crumbles unfortunately uh so that's that book like kind of in a nutshell for what's known about it so you can see you know why hermione really step up to the plate there because it really shows too it's not that she just didn't want to do the work it's just the fact that this book is absolutely useless like there's really no point in even reading this book in that class especially if you're trying to learn defense methods uh like dolores umbridge's defense method right now is basically just trying to tell the class that just to basically like roll over and kind of take it unfortunately so i hate to say that but That is true. Um, So kind of moving on to the next uh, interesting fact here. So venomous tentacular seeds. So this was pretty cool. So a venomous tentacular is actually a green, spiky, toothsome uh, plant. So it actually has teeth. um, And they're actually designed, uh, well, they're vines that are these living plants that grab uh, living prey and then while they grab the prey they actually expel venom that shoots out uh, from spikes that winds up being deadly to the prey and uh, it bites it and the bite is highly poisonous and it winds up being fatal to their enemy so what 
uh, the tentacular seeds are is actually the seeds from that plant and uh, they're known as a class seed class C non-tradable substance so in the magical world it's actually illegal uh, to trade these so the whole deal with them is they're used with a lot of really high-end uh, potions right um, gnarled quills Hermione like mentions this in passing for just a little bit um, so basically uh, what gnarled quills are is a gnarl is very similar to a hedgehog like almost literally identical is what a gnarl is um, but gnarl quills are made from their spines so like you know how a porcupine or a hedgehog has spines uh, so it's a quill that's made from uh, those spines there uh, gnarls are actually found in Europe and North America um, and like I said they strongly resemble a hedgehog almost identical right um, the only difference between a gnarl and a hedgehog it is said is that a gnarl uh, actually when usually I guess they cause infestations is what they do a lot of times when muggle children uh, will hand them food uh, but what happens is a gnarl sees left out food and it attempts to trap the provider by luring it to give them more food and it leaves the food there so every day it'll actually notify more gnarls in its like colony or its habitat and they'll keep going back to that area and actually starting to infest the place until more food is given to them by the muggle or whoever it's giving it to versus a hedgehog it said just would eat and enjoy the food and would actually leave the area versus a gnarl will actually try to infest that place as a habitat so that's pretty interesting there uh benji fitwick um i looked him up a little bit very little is really known about him what we're going to wind up going into for this next section of our interesting facts these are all members of the original order of the phoenix so as we recall uh during the episode or if you read the chapters uh remember alistair moody so mad eye moody was showing harry that picture of the original order with all those people in it and he was listing off those people that didn't make it through the original order and remember you know lupin and sirius and all them they were talking to molly and they were like you know this time is different like last time we were basically caught off guard and ambushed uh by voldemort's army that he had so we're going to kind of go through those people uh just some cool facts on them but benji fit uh, fenwick is mentioned by alistair moody um little is actually known about his life except that he was an original owner order member in 1981 he was blasted to pieces uh by a death eater in voldemort's army that's all that's really known what is known though about that incident is the death eater actually swept up and disposed disposed of his body remains that were in pieces uh, in front of whoever was left in the original order uh, when they wound up killing him so it must have been like on a, a battlefield or um i guess it, it could have even been you know like a the order members could be tr had been trying to infiltrate with like a inside operation but it was said that he almost like a, a mafia killing right like blasted him to pieces in front of everybody swept up the pieces in front of Voldemort, and then disposed of them so just absolutely awful stuff um from here edgar bones uh is mentioned by alistair moody a lot of people don't know uh so he is actually the brother of amelia bones which 
uh, remember the Bones family that was trying, uh, they're mentioned a lot in the Order of the Phoenix book. Uh, that's actually, you know, the Bones family that's actually trying Harry at the healing, at the hearing that he was having. So, um, but Amelia Bones uh, was a member of the original Order of the Phoenix as well. But Edgar uh, was actually sorted into the Hufflepuff house. Uh, his mother and father, it's mentioned by Alistair actually, uh, were, um, were both murdered by Voldemort in 1981. And his wife and children were actually murdered by Voldemort as well. Um, Rubius Hagrid actually stated that the Bones family were known as some of the greatest wizards of all time. Um, Cedric, uh, sorry, Cardac, Cardic Dearborn, not Cedric, Cardic Dearborn, uh, as a member of the original Order of the Phoenix, Cardac vanished and was never found. Uh, according to Alistair Moody, uh, the Order did spend six months after the photo was taken trying to find him, but his body was never found. So they just assumed he was he was killed, uh, or must have been, by Voldemort or, or Voldemort's army. Uh, Gideon Pruitt, Pruitt, this would be really awesome to see on screen as well if they did like a prequel series, or even if they did a prequel of like the original Order when like Voldemort's army was coming to power. That would be really cool, almost like a whole... Robert's Rebellion thing. That would be awesome. Um, so uh, Gideon Pruitt is the brother of Molly and, uh, sorry, Molly and Fabian Pruitt. So Molly, uh, a lot of people don't know, her maiden name is Pruitt. It's mentioned a couple of times in the series. Uh, but Molly, you know, is Ron, Jenny, Fred, and George's uh, mom and Percy, of course. You know, it's kind of abandoning the family right now, just throwing that out there. Um, like Gideon and Fabian were attacked by five Death Eaters at once. Um, it's still described that they actually went down fighting like heroes, is the way Alistair Moody uh, recalled it. Um, uh, Dulahov is was one of the Death Eaters that was involved in that ambush and attacking them. Uh, Dulahov is actually mentioned in uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire um, when he is actually. Uh, it's when Kakarov, uh, so Kakarov was being put on trial um, after he was captured in October 31st, 1981. Uh, when Kakarov was put on trial, um, Dolohov, his name was mentioned um, by Igor Kakarov in that magical law trial in the Goblet of Fire as the Death Eaters he was listing, listing off, actually. Um, Dolohov was actually one of the highest ranking death eaters is described as one of the most important and he was involved in the whole ambush so whether we don't know whether he actually organized it or not uh it's just recalled that um both uh fabian uh pruitt and also gideon pruitt went down fighting like heroes um and and they were molly's brothers so she doesn't talk about them a lot it's actually said she doesn't talk about them a lot uh, just because how hard she actually took how hard she actually took their deaths which as you can see based on you know what we talked about on Sunday actually especially with that boggart uh, that was that they found uh, upstairs um, with kind of the foreshadowing it was showing with all the deaths like and that sort of thing you can see how she would take that hard um, Dorcas Meadows uh, he was an original member of the Order of the Phoenix 
Uh, he was personally murdered by Lord Voldemort, so he's one of the few people that actually was personally murdered by Lord Voldemort. Um, the exact date of the murder is no unknown, but it is thought to be during the second half of the year of 1981. So they actually don't know when it took place, just because his body was found um, really like a, a while later is really why. Um, so those were kind of just some facts on some of the members, just the members of the original order that were killed off that were just so important. So that's pretty cool there. Uh, Mimbulus, um, Mimbletonia. So actually, on top of being, you know, the Hogwarts password, <laughs> so it was the Griffin, the password to the Gryffindor common room. We talked about that a little bit, um, but it's actually a very rare magical plant. It originated in Assyria, which is actually a region in the Middle East. It's known for the unique, its unique defense mechanisms. Uh, it's known as pulsating and having a squirming nature, so it's really hard to hold on to. Uh, it does have stink sap that squirts out from boils on the surface of the plant. So this plant does not look very attractive. Uh, gotta say that. Um, it is a non-poisonous liquid though, surprisingly. However, the liquid comes out as dark green and smells like rancid manure is the way it's described. So it smells disgusting, almost like uh, rotten eggs. Um, but like I said, it was also the Pax's word uh, for the Gryffindor common room. Um, kumquats, uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> really, I, I was super excited because I was like, wow, kumquats. Like, I wonder if this is like a magical creature. Like, what's so interesting about them? This seems like such a cool name. Look them up. You know, no, it's actually just a small fruit uh, <laughs> uh, who the fruit resembles an orange. So if you recall, like, Kumquats were talked about in the Quibbler uh, for a little bit, right? Um, they were talked about in the Quibbler. Uh, actually, Luna mentions them uh, for a little bit, so not too long. Um, but yeah, that, that's really all it's about. In the Quibbler in 1995, so the year we're talking about, so Order of the Phoenix, right? When I guess it was said uh, that all this was kind of like taking place. Um, it just says that uh, if you actually, well, I guess this was probably a little bit maybe before the year we're talking about for Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, so a little bit before, but it does say that if you turn runes upside down, uh, that they actually reveal a spell that transfigure victims' ears into kumquats <laughs> so that's where that's mentioned in the quibbler so as we know with the quibbler you know luna's dad is the editor he plays a big part in there also partial like creator and then you know lunar luna not lunar <laughs> lunar moon no luna right luna um really thinks a lot of the quibbler and never really puts it down uh nosebleed not so also known as blister pods a lot of these a lot of people can mix these up um, but nosebleed knot and blister pods are actually the same thing. So, you know, those were made by Fred and George. Remember when they were on uh, kind of the Quidditch field and like they gave uh, Katie Bell, I think that's who had it, um, one of those nosebleed knots and they had to cancel practice because she just would not stop bleeding, like was gushing out blood from her nose. Um, 
but it's designed to make the person eating them uh, n their nosebleed heavy within seconds and uh, actually takes forever to stop. Um, Fred and George, a lot of people don't know, uh, did make two sweets for these uh, nosebleed knots. Uh, there's an orange sweet and a purple sweet. Uh, the orange sweet actually caused the nose to bleed. If you were given the purple sweet, it actually would stop uh, the nose to bleed. So um, a lot of people don't know. It was kind of like, you know, like a trigger effect and then someone has like the cure for it, right? That's really kind of what it was, but a lot of people don't know that. But you can actually make your own nosebleed knot. And um, this is cool because a lot of, you know, I'm a big, I really can't cook to save my life. But for the people that can, uh, you know, let me know how it goes. Take a picture of it for me. Maybe I'll have someone make this one for me. <laughs> someone that knows what they're doing. And uh, then I'll just eat and enjoy this thing. Um, you can actually get this from leakycauldron.org. And we'll kind of be doing a lot of this stuff every now and then uh, where you can actually make your own stuff at home because I know a lot of people like that Harry Potter unofficial cookbook and that sort of thing. Uh, so this is cool because you can just do on your free time at home. But you can make your own nosebleed knot. It just looks like a, a candy coated sugar. So this is making the nosebleed knot without actually making your nosebleed. I did see something on the internet though. I guess uh, someone had another set of ingredients it wasn't a really an official set like this is from leakycauldron.org but they had like i guess i don't know if it was food dye or like jelly or something but they had it where you would actually eat the nosebleed knot and the jelly or the um i guess like the food color coloring would squirt out your mouth so you looked like a vampire <laughs> so like the but i thought it was called nosebleed knot not um you know <laughs> A mouth bleed is basically what that would mean or, or like having your lips bleed right because like the whole idea was like they, she was making it so the red was like dripping out of your mouth as you'd eat it but that looks more like a werewolf eating or a vampire vampire right like true blood when you came in the air went out <laughs> yeah that's that's more what that was like right um so I found this one. This is the more legit one. This is uh, the nosebleed knot ingredient that you can find on leakycauldron.org. So your ingredients for it, um, it's four and a half uh, cups of, they say grounded sugar. It doesn't really matter. Just four and a half cups of sugar. So 400, uh, 400 grams uh, if you're by the gram or liter, uh, uh, using grams or liters there. Um, four and a half cups of light corn syrup. So one liter of corn syrup, uh, one fourth cup of water. So 65 milliliters of water, uh, two large egg whites, one tablespoon of cornstarch. So that's five milliliters of cornstarch, one half cup of butter uh, melted. So that's a hundred grams of butter melted. So yeah, guys, just uh, want to let all the crew know out there if they eat this thing or eat a bunch of them that Jim is not gonna like you later uh, so just just a warning um, have three cups of almonds so actually ironically I would be allergic to this because I don't like uh, I actually am allergic to almonds and peanuts ironically I found out later on in life right um, but I'd probably still eat it anyways just to see maybe swell up like a balloon like some of Fred and George's other <laughs> other uh, victims i guess they are, are you know 
Uh, so <laughs> probably not the best idea, but I, I probably would. Honestly, I probably would. Um, maybe I'll try it and just take out the almonds. Maybe that's the safer way to go, right? But uh, so three cups, 600 grams of almonds. They say silvered almonds. Uh, really just any type of almonds or nuts if you want to put those in there. I'm going to leave those out because I'm allergic. Uh, and then you have one fourth of a teaspoon of salt. So that's one, just one milliliter there. Uh, the instructions are, so what you're going to do is you're going to combine the one half cups, so 300 grams of sugar, combine one and one fourth cups, so 300 milliliters of corn syrup and uh, all the water that you had into a large soft pan. Then you're going to get like a whisk and just like mix it together, you know, beat it together, I guess is because I just beat it, just beat it. Anyways, uh, then you're going to cook it over medium at and and heat it up uh, and bring it to a boil. So you should have it on there for about five to seven minutes. It should be boiling. And then you're going to cook uh, without stirring. Uh, they call this the softball stage, I guess, because it's basically cooking the candy into almost like a, a ball type shape, right? Um, but you're going to have this at 238 degrees Fahrenheit, or if you're using Celsius, 115 degrees Celsius, and uh, use a candy thermometer is what's suggested, because um, you're trying to get the candy basically, you know, hard. So it looks looks like a candy you would put in the store. Uh, it should take about five minutes, uh, and then you'll remove the heat from it. So just turn it on cool again and let it cool down. You're gonna beat the eggs, just beat it, just beat it. Never wonder if you're really not scared. <laughs> Anyways, no, you're gonna beat the egg whites to soft peaks and gradually pour in the syrup mixture is your next step. So you're gonna just whisk those egg whites and then pour in the syrup mixture into a bowl uh, until like everything's you know mixed together and then set that aside. Uh, then you're gonna have, you're gonna take out basically a baking pan or a cookie sheet and you're gonna line two to eight inches, so 20 centimeters uh, with aluminum foil. So just make sure basically the whole pan is covered. That's the easiest way to do it. Uh, extend the foil over the edges is what she, you know, the leaky cauldron said. They're very specific on there doesn't really matter as long as these things are cooked that's all that matters um but you do want to sprinkle that with cornstarch so it does say that sprinkle that with cornstarch uh, before you go into about to cook it so your next step so step six you're going to put um in a heavy saucepan what you're going to do is you're going to cook three cups of sugar so 600 grams uh three cups of light corn syrup so 750 milliliters and you're gonna mix that together. So put that in a saucepan, and then you're gonna bring it to a boil. So boil that, uh, says should cook for about 10 minutes. Um, cook uh, without stirring, it says, and then it should reach like a cracking stage. So you're gonna get that uh, candy kind of side of it. So it's gonna start to crack, right? Um, at 272 degrees Fahrenheit, or 135 degrees Celsius, and you're gonna do that for about 15 minutes. Then you're gonna slowly add, uh, your next step, step seven, slowly add to the egg white mixture and mix it until it's blended. Uh, and then once it's all blended there, 
Then you're gonna stir in melted butter. So remember I told you get get a lot of that butter. That's where the gem is not gonna like you. Uh, and they say the silver almonds. So you're gonna throw the silver almonds in. So almonds or nuts, whatever you have, and then add the salt that you made. And you're gonna mix all that together. All of that that you've had that you've added in there. So you're talking about you know your egg white mixture that's blended, and then you're gonna have your melted butter your nuts or your almonds and the salt all that together now you're going to pour into prepared pans so pans uh you know laid out flat almost like a, a cookie sheet right um then it says you're going to tent half of the batch and chill until firm so basically what you're going to do is you're just going to lay it on there and then you're going to the easiest way honestly is to put it in the freezer like when it says tinted, it's really talking about like food coloring. Uh, most people use red because nosebleed knots, right? Uh, so most people use red. Actually, the one where I was saying where the girl used like jelly or food coloring, whatever it was that would squirt out your mouth <laughs> when you would eat it. One side was red where you knew where you, once you eat it, that would like squirt out like a vampire, right? And the other side was normal. So you wouldn't get... Uh, you could choose if you wanted the nosebleed side. Um, but once you do, that's basically what it means by tinting, is choose whatever color you want. Most people use red, and then put it in the freezer and freeze it. Uh, then you're going to use the foil. Uh, this is where you get leakycauldron.org gets really specific with this stuff, right? You can use the foil there. Um to actually make almost like fluffs, I guess like poofs, you can say, uh, with the candy. So like the candy will stick up out of a, uh, a screaming snack box is whatever they called it. So, you know, friend and George's snack box. And it says, use the foil to lift the candy from the pan and cut the foil so you have those nice neat edges, right? And then uh, what's gonna happen is if it's, uh, when it's if it's too sticky you're gonna dust the candy with cornstarch for you so that way uh you know they don't stick to one another especially when you're uh afterwards or when you're freezing it so it is a pretty pretty sticky candy i will say though um so that that's how to make that there okay got it right here for you so some of the other ones that were mentioned on here that is pretty cool it is said uh, that what you should do is the recipe should be made along with fainting fancies, fever fudge, puking pastels, as I should be put in a uh, skeeving snack box. So that's basically just a snack box. We'll go through the other ones real quick for you, just why we're here. So if you want to make your own fainting fancies, so the ingredients for that is it's actually one pound, so 450 grams of powdered sugar, uh, one fourth pound. 115 grams of butter, one third pound, so 150 grams of sweet cream, uh, one package of instant pudding. So the author used pistachio. You can use whatever pudding you want. It does require food coloring. So like I said, any food coloring you really want for that. Um, and they use flexible candy molds. As long as it gets molded, you're fine. That's all that really matters. This is like getting really detailed with it. but. It just says mix the ingredients together in a large bowl, except food coloring. Uh, divide the mixture in half and add a few drops of food coloring to each. Since the colors for the fainting fancies are not described in the Harry Potter books, 
uh, always, you know, they just use turquoise and lime green, but you can use whatever color you want. Um, it says, this is getting really detailed, the best way to get a nice two-colored fancy is to roll a snake of each color and then cut them into squares of two tones. Also, you can roll a two-colored square into sugar and carefully press it into a flexible mold. Uh, the author used, uh, like, they used, like, this, like, rolled it into, like, a fish sample is basically the way they cut it out. But it's never really described how it looks. or uh, So you can use whatever food coloring or whatever shape you want. But that's uh, basically the ingredients used and how you put that together. Um, the other one for you, we'll go over puking pastilles or... Um, if you gotten this far in the book, or if you remember, you know, Fred and George uh, always causing trouble. Like, uh, they were making these people just throw up constantly, actually, Fred. We'll get to this next week, I think, uh, when Fred actually eats a puking pastel for himself, and Hermione couldn't stop him. Like, there was nothing she could do, uh, and he just kept making himself throw up over and over. And Ron was like, well, aren't you going to do something about this? And they're like, well, I, she's like, I really can't. There's nothing in the prefects book about that Fred and George can't make their own self throw up. Like, the only thing that would be against it is if it was dangerous to another student. They're just using it on themselves and throwing up in front of people. Yeah, it's frowned upon, <laughs> but, like, there's nothing in the handbook against it, right? But the ingredients and supplies to that, so you would have 2 ounces, 60 grams of cream cheese, one-fourth tablespoon of flavoring, so that's one milliliter, one and one half cups, so 300 grams of powder, sugar, and food coloring. Uh, and they used another flexible candy mold for this as well. It just says mash the cream cheese, add the flavoring of your choice, and stir it in sugar. Uh, the knead, unlike pie dough, uh, divide into two and add food coloring. So they used purple and orange. Uh, that's what's supposed to be used, but you can use whatever color you want. It says roll the dough into two balls and then roll them in sugar. Press the sugared balls, so there need to be like balls, ball form, balls, ball form, right? Um, then uh, you're going to uh, press the sugared balls, so one of each colored, into the candy mold and unmold onto wax paper. Uh, it says they freeze very well, uh, so you want to put them in a freezer. And if you only want to make one or two snack boxes, of course, you can save the rest. That's always said by them. Um, and then it says you can also have two halves that can be different flavors. So thank you, Sherlock. But you definitely can. And it says uh, usually it's it looks very similar to like a wedding mint recipe. Um, uh, it says with a wizarding twist. <laughs> so very common. It says this is basically the common wedding mint recipe with wizard twists. So served at a lot of weddings in the wizarding world. Uh, it says, uh, and then, you know, you should put it in that skeeving snack box. So the last one, fever fudge. If you've gotten this far in the book, uh, I think we'll talk about it next week. Um, this is where Fred and George basically, you know, were giving these people candy that would make them cause really high fevers, right? Um, but the ingredients for that, if you want to make one of those, it's one cup, so 200 grams of granulated sugar, um, one cup, 200 grams of brown sugar, one half, 125 milliliters cups of milk, five marshmallows, 
uh, one cup, 250 milliliters of peanut butter, smooth or crunchy. Uh, the food coloring instructions for you, so it does require uh, food coloring there. Uh, the instructions for you are mix all the ingredients except peanut butter together in a saucepan. Cook over medium heat until all the traces of marshmallow are melted. Remove from the heat and add peanut butter, uh, mixing well. So I couldn't use the peanut butter. I'd have to figure something out. I'm putting Nutella or something on it. Um, and then it says, working quickly to divide the batch in half and color one half. Uh, so lather this, use green. You can use whatever color you want. It says, pour into two dishes, uh, refrigerate until cooled, and then a, a layer the two different colors on top of each other and cut them into two-toned squares. It says you can use any type of fudge you want to make fever fudge. Uh, the author actually disliked chocolate, so she made it using peanut butter. So like when she used peanut butter here, that's really supposed to be fudge. So it says remove from heat and add fudge, mixing well is basically what it is. Um, and then from this point, uh, like it says, once again, you know, Order of the Phoenix and the other Harry Potter books don't mention the color of Fever Fudge. So the author just used the natural color, uh, fudge color of, in her case, was green. So you can use whatever fudge um, color you really want. Uh, but those would be, uh, those ingredients, those are all the ones that Fred and George would mix together and put in the skeeving snack box. Um, they even went into the, like, it's so detailed here on the leakycauldron.org, right? They even went to how to make your own skeeving snack box. So if you want to make your own skeeving snack box, it just says put one pound of candy into a box, which is found in stores. Uh, have your sticker or label glue and your candy wrappers um, and it says if you can't lay your hands on one of those one pound candy boxes uh, you can use a template actually on leakycauldron.org but it says preferably you should make your box out of cardstock or cardboard uh, just to keep the box from getting grease marks on it also you can even cut a design out of that um, in the parchment or a wax paper foil that's layered inside the box that you can put there or put dry adhesive dispenser um, if you're trying to keep this for like scrapbooking or something um, also you can like glue it together on the inside just to make sure the box looks nice in the skeeving strap box uh, kind of one of the I guess like the symbols of the fainting fancy and the nosebleed knot like what she did was she put two put a wizard hat and a witch hat and they were like coming together uh and then it made it basically made like a like a fred and george kind of symbol and then it had uh the fainting fancies the fever fudge nosebleed knot and puking pastels like kind of like drawn out in front of it but it just says use a color printer to print out the design um which you can actually get the design if you want the label design that i just mentioned uh, you can get that right from leakycauldron.org. And it said it's, uh, you can print it, you can actually glue it right to the front of your box. Um, then it says uh, how to fold and cut the box. So cut the designs out and attach them to the box, of course. If you use regular paper, just use a glue stick, like we're saying. But uh, And then you can actually fold 
the box uh, just like you would do a normal candy box. It's basically just a normal candy box there. It just says wrap the candies in wax paper, put them into the box, and then you're going to cut it um, basically if you just buy a box at the store. <laughs> that's literally what it is. Um, but you can actually uh, fold the box into one, two, three, four, I think in fourths, but basically it just looks like one of those Macy boxes you would put clothes in, and then you can put the design on it that says Skeeving Snack Box Assortment, and you can print that out at leakycauldron.org. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. Actually, this is submitted by Sheila for the box and uh, some of the other ingredients. Um, and she's even got stuff in here that says like notes for crafty witches and, and that sort of thing. So I thought it was pretty cool. So she did a really good job on leakycauldron.org. But basically, if you just get a box and print that out and put it on there, whatever design you want, that's your skeeving snack box, right? Um, so the last thing here for our interesting fact that will kind of close us out here, the Dream Oracle. This was really cool. Uh, so this is uh, the book that they were reading in Professor Trelawney's class. Um, where they were discussing dreams and, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's a leather-bound book uh, that was written by Inigo uh, Lamago. So I-N-I-G-O space L-M-A-G-O. You know, I'm terrible with names, guys. Uh, on the subject of dream interpretation, it was known he actually did provide detailed information on dream interpretation, and the introduction was almost 20 minutes to read. Uh, Inigo Lamago... Uh, he was actually a wizard seer, so of course he could see the future uh, in, with his inner eye. Um, he was also known to have wrote the Dream Oracle, like I said, um, and but the rest, and also have a big part in actually what was the subject of dream interpretation, uh, which is part of you know Professor Trelawney's subject as far as divination and all that stuff goes. Um, but the rest in regards to him, unfortunately, is unknown. So I was trying to look that up. Uh, but the rest in regards to him is really unknown as far as that point. Um, kind of cool things, right? So Malice in the Chalice card. I'm throwing Malice in the Chalice, baby. So I was looking at, I saw House of Dragon. Speaking of Game of Thrones, right? Because you know we're big Game of Thrones people on this show. Uh, House of Dragon did pick its cast. They did get, you know, like I said, if you have looked at that bonus episode we did, after we closed out Game of Thrones, where we talked about the prequel with House of Dragon and how it's supposed to be done. Um, you know, Rhaenyria, Myceria, uh, and also Darren are in there. They uh, also, of course, Aemon, Maester Aemon, you know, we talked about him. Maester Aemon is being played by the guy, he was in The King, that Netflix uh, series. Timothy Chalamet, that's his name. So remember, uh, we were talking about that a little bit on the show where this was actually a really good movie. We just never were going to break this down because it's not exactly fantasy, but he did really good in that. Um, Robert Patterson was creepy, creepy as hell. Yeah, absolutely amazing actor. Uh, was really good in that. But uh, Timothy Chalamet uh, is going to be playing Maester Eamon. I think that's a really good pick. But some of the other ones for you... Um, are just a little like really off uh, is I mean I don't know see you can't really judge like people until they're actually cast right um, but just to kind of give you an idea right so like I guess you really can't judge people until they're cast just they look very not their role 
I gotta say, not really their role. Um, which actually, we were talking about this on the show uh, way back when we were doing Game of Thrones. You know, Amelia Clark wasn't even really cast to; she wasn't even originally cast to be Daenerys Targaryen, and then they had her take over, and she wound up being amazing. So I don't know; I could be wrong. I just feel like I don't know. I don't really feel like these guys really fit the role very well. Um, one other one that I do like that I think is good is uh, Patty Considine, I guess is how you say it. He's done a lot of really cool stuff, and his reputation definitely precedes him. Um, so I think he'd be really good at his Viserys Targaryen. But some of the ones that are just like a little odd to me, like Emma D. Arcee is playing Rhaenyra Targaryen. I don't know. Like, I don't know if she can really pull off the whole like bad girl kind of vibe like Rhaenyra is supposed to be one of like the most heinous queens of all time as you listen to our episode um like the bonus episode way back after we finished Game of Thrones so I just don't know if it fits her she feels too much like almost like a a goody girl vibe I feel like Olivia Cook could pull off Alicent Hightower I feel like she could pull it off I just don't know that role is a little bit too, almost like a little bit too just out there to really be able to tell. But Matt Smith is playing Damon Targaryen. I feel like this is a really hit or miss because he doesn't really look anything like Damon Targaryen. Like Damon Targaryen is supposed to be massively built, almost like the Hound, like a total badass uh, with that Targaryen hair and you know, he was big part of like the Blackfire Rebellion and the Battle Against God's Eye, Battle of God's Eye above the lake there with Aemon. Um, I just don't know. I don't know if he really fits that role. And the girl that's playing Myceria, uh, let me see if I can find her name here for you. So, the girl that's playing Myceria, uh, Sonia, uh, Sonia Mizuno. Uh, she could pull it off. She looks nothing like Myceria. So I don't really know about that. Uh, Lord Corliss is actually being played by Stephen uh, Toussaint. I guess he could be okay. I don't really know a lot about him. Um, and then as far as uh, Eva Best is playing a princess. Eva Best, it just says she's playing a princess in the role. So I think she's playing Rainies. So she might be playing Rainies, but it doesn't exactly say. Because, of course, they're still going through a lot of the casting that's going on right now. Uh, they're actually filming in Iceland. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, that's actually a perfect place for it. Like, Iceland is gorgeous. So that would be the perfect place to look like, you know, Dragonstone and, and all that stuff. And an original uh, King's Landing, right? That would be fantastic. But... I, I just don't know about some of this cast because they don't look a lot like the characters described by George R.R. R. Martin. But who knows? I mean, you never know, right? So, I mean, point is, we got to give him a chance. Uh, and I do have a lot of confidence, too, because George R.R. R. Martin is having a big influence on the script writing on this one. And, of course, you know, he wrote um, he wrote the book Fire and Blood, which is this is all based off of. So it could be awesome. Um a lot of people keep... I see a lot of YouTubes and stuff out there where they'll put, like, a picture of Aegon Targaryen on there, and I just kind of laugh because I'm like, do you really know what timeline this is? 
Um, but it would be cool if they were able to, I guess, do a flashback somehow, or someone was talking about Aegon and his sisters. Uh, th- that would be really cool. I just think, I don't know, I feel like that's really way in the past. Like, I don't know how you would tie it in, because, I mean, you're talking about hundreds of years kind of before the Targaryen Civil War. If it's truly based on the Targaryen Civil War, or if they're going to tie in you know, Aegon's Conquest as well, which would be really awesome, because I would love to see Aegon's Conquest, which you kind of think they kind of have to at some point, somehow, uh, because on the poster, they have Balerion the Dread, which we know how long Balerion lives. Like, he's a beast, right? Um, so you would think you would actually see parts, especially in the beginning, with Aegon's Conquest. So uh, very interesting how they'll wind up doing that. But I think it's got great potential, just... I just don't know about some of the actors. That's just kind of some of my thoughts on that. Um, So we'll see where it goes, you know. Uh, And that's going to be awesome when that comes out. I mean, 2021 is... uh, 2022, that's stacked. Like, you know, apparently they said they're going to try to squeeze out House of Dragon at the end of 2021. I think it's going to be more like 2022. But, you know, we got the Lord of the Rings series coming out. And we'll be doing Lord of the Rings in Season 2. So that's going to be epic. Um... You know, we even got like a lot of cool stuff like Stranger Things, that sort of thing. A lot of cool things that will be coming out. So, and we get a lot of requests, which is really cool. Like we just got one the other day. Um, I haven't read really much into this series, but we've had requests for not only the Nine Angel series, but you know, uh, the Lightbringer series written by the same author. Also, we had uh, as far as uh, what was it? Of course, you know, people are recommended Throne of Glass. I'm a big Throne of Glass fan. Josh hasn't looked at me yet, but the Mistborn series, that was uh, requested. Uh, one of my, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Christian Tibbins, so shout out to him. He's an awesome guy um, from, my, from my hometown. But yeah, we've gotten a lot of requests, so definitely taking into that. Uh, actually, the new um, Justice League, <laughs> uh, Zack Snyder trailer for Justice League just dropped. Uh, apparently it's going to be like three hours so i'm interested to see how they're doing that kind of looks like they're trying to make like doomsday be like thanos steppenwolf was almost like um like malkeith in guardians of the galaxy so i don't know how they're going to make that work but uh, i'm interested to see like if they actually had a lot of this content or if they just did a bunch of reshoots so uh, that's very interesting uh just very you know kind of shooting off the top of my head there very interesting to see if justice league is able to make a comeback or not so and i'm a big wonder woman fan i wasn't a big fan of the last one i didn't think it was that great um but i did really like the first one so if they can kind of get back to that original vibe like i guess the intentions where they had going with ben affleck and then he couldn't really crack it so then they had robert patterson the problem is dc is just kind of all over the place like i feel like they don't really have a motive for what step they're trying to take forward so uh with those wild out there topics that's my malice in the chalice card baby going off to the shadow realm for you off to the shadow realm there and um yeah guys once again thanks so much for always following us i'll close us out here uh, really means a lot to us all you do uh and just following us from the beginning like i say always Uh, You are the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. Without you guys, uh, we are nothing. We are nothing without you, and you brought us from nothing to something, and it's only been a year, and we're taking this podcast to the moon and back. Uh, 
and just on the up and up. So we're never coming back. <laughs> we're just going to the moon, baby. Just going to the moon. Um, but once again, you know, follow us on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus. You can follow me at rbrow129. Uh, you can follow Jay Nelly on Instagram. Uh, he's on there. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on Twitter at uh, official ridiculous Patronus. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter there. You can follow me on Twitter. I actually just reactivated mine uh, at rbrow129. So I just got back on there, guys. We're going to try to get this TikTok thing going, trying to figure out a vibe for that. I see that's really kicking off, like all the TikTok stuff. Um, so that's pretty that's pretty cool. Uh, so we're going to see what we can wind up doing for that. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll wind up being just like the snaps of Josh and I, like when we were watching the, the Bills game, like Josh Allen, and then not Josh Allen because Josh Allen couldn't pull it off in the, <laughs> in the AFC Championship. But... You know, the Super Bowl was good. I was really impressed with Brady. Like I said last week, or two weeks ago, you know, we were in Tampa. Uh, Tom Brady has something in common with my girl Ariana Grande now. They both got seven rings, and they're both going to get breakfast at Tiffany's. So that was awesome. Uh, so very happy for very happy for Tom Terrific there. I'm sure he was living it up that week. Um, but, yeah, so that's what I was saying is bottom line, uh, we'll try to get on the TikTok for you at some point uh, and start getting that going. But, um, you know, always tune into the website, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. You can follow along there, see all the major iconic scenes of Harry Potter uh, and the Order of the Phoenix and also all the other uh, past books we've done. But, uh, yeah, we're taking this Hogwarts train off the rails. Like I said, next week there is a lot of information, so you might actually get, like, a nice full episode. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Then, of course, tune into our episode on Sunday. That's going to be an awesome one. So that one, we're going to be doing chapters 13 through 18 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So if you do want to follow along, read the book beforehand. It'll really give you like a big deep dive into it uh, when you're reading it. Also, if you don't want to, not a big deal. That's what we're here for. Uh, and you just follow along with the story and you get to pick up some cool, interesting thoughts on the side. So... Yeah, guys, uh, I would sign off with Josh, but, you know, Jay Nelly's not here today because this is a solo show. That's why we like to do this one because we can go off the rocker. Um, but, you know, this is uh, Chase from Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. This has been a ridiculous production. Thank you guys for everything you do and always following us. This is Chase from Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy signing off.